Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of March 23rd through March 29th. I uh, hope that you are all doing well out there uh, during these challenging times, um, living the the quarantine dream, so to speak. Uh, it's a uh, man, interesting, interesting uh, slice of history we're living through, isn't it? I'll try to put all of it into context as well as I can for you this week. Um, we do have a, a number of uh, very um, interesting astrological things that are happening, including Mars conjoining Pluto uh, on Monday. Uh, Tuesday the 24th, we've got a new moon in Aries that is conjunct the asteroid Chiron, so we'll discuss that a little bit. On Saturday the 28th, Venus and Jupiter, the two benefics, will be making a trine from their respective Earth sign uh, positions, and Venus will also be making a trine to Pluto on that day as well. We've got a couple new decans this week with uh, Mercury going into the second decan of Pisces, uh, which has some correspondences with the Nine of Cups, and Venus moving into the third decan of Taurus, and we will talk about the Seven of Pentacles and everything related to that decan. Um, Essential dignities for the week. Uh, the sun is now in the sign of Aries or the temple of Aries, which is its exaltation. Uh, it is the triplicity ruler of the fire signs in the daytime. Um, the sun will be in the terms of Jupiter from zero to six degrees, and then the terms of Venus from six to 12 degrees. Uh, let's share the screen here so you can see where we're at this week. Um, yeah, and it's going to be moving from about three degrees of Aries to nine degrees. So still moving just through the first decan of Aries this week. Um, and we will talk about that a little bit in regards to our new moon. Uh, we've got a new divine assignment in that area of our chart. We're going to talk about Mars pretty heavily and, and Saturn uh, because now Saturn is in its daytime uh, temple of Aquarius. Uh, so some interesting themes with that. Jupiter is going to be in the third decan of Capricorn still, which is its fall. Um, so Jupiter is still not in the greatest shape. It's going to be kind of uh, meeting up with Pluto over the course of the week. It's within a degree or so of it right now, and it's going to be perfecting um, by the beginning of next week. So, But we're going to be feeling it. We're in the middle of that right now. So we'll, we'll contextualize everything within that Jupiter-Pluto conjunction. Um, Saturn, as I said, has moved into uh, Aquarius as, as of my recording of this, which was, I believe, very late last night, um, Saturday the uh, 21st. And as, we are, as I'm recording this on the 22nd, we've got uh, a new position for the, the Lord of Karma and the, uh, the Master of Time uh, and the Greater Malefic. Um, in Aquarius, uh, in addition to being the domicile ruler, Saturn also has triplicity dignity by the day, uh, which can lend some communal support for the types of boundaries that we need to create and the, the new types of order and rules that are coming into play uh, with our um, Saturnian society that we're experiencing right now uh, in quarantine. And we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit. Uh, Saturn is going to be in the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. And uh, yeah, that's the only term ruler for this particular week. I'm going to do a little bit more of a deep dive with Saturn 
in Aquarius. I, I did a, an initial exploration of that last week, um, but I think within the context of this new moon with Mars being in Capricorn, the host of the new moon will have to trace it all the way back to um, Mars's position in the sign of Saturn and Capricorn. So Venus will be moving through the first and second degree, or sorry, the first and second decan of Taurus from two, uh, from, sorry, from, uh, where are we at here? 19 to 25 degrees of Taurus. Um, so yes, she'll be moving decans this week and we'll discuss uh, the difference in her expression through that different decan. Uh, she'll be moving through the terms of Jupiter from 14 to 22 degrees and then moving into the terms of Saturn from 22 to 27 degrees. Now that third decan of uh, Taurus is also the face um, or the mask of Saturn. So we're moving from a moon-ruled decan in uh, the second decan of Taurus to a Saturn-ruled one, which is a little bit more severe. So we'll, we'll talk about the kind of the some of the themes that'll come up with that, uh, that we'll have to be dealing with with our Venus placement. Even though she, is still, have, she still has quite a bit of dignity, uh, you can see that as she moves from 19 to 25 degrees of Taurus, we're getting pretty close to this fixed star called Algol, which definitely colors the energy of this particular decan. And Algol, if you aren't familiar with that fixed star, uh, fixed stars were, uh, were sort of like our own sun, but in a different solar system. And from my understanding of fixed stars, uh, from what I've learned from various lectures, one in particular with Austin Kopic, is that they are feeding, uh, our planets are kind of like attached to those fixed stars when they come across them, like a root system that is um, drawing nutrients from that fixed star, just like we gain vitality from our own sun. So Venus will be gaining some, or drawing some vitality from algal over this period of time. So we're going to be seeing some things like uh, um, decay, pestilence, like potentially some challenges in relationships that where we might lose our head if we've been stuck with our loved ones for too long of a period of time. I think any relationship uh, is probably being challenged under the weight of some of the collective stress that we've been dealing with. So um, we'll talk about that and hopefully we'll find some good coping mechanisms for that. Venus is very good for finding things like that. She was Remember, she was responsible for the catharsis of the Greek theater and preserving the integrity of those emotional uh, cleansings. And she's also associating with purging things and with uh, cleanliness. And so she's trying to be of assistance to this area of the zodiac. And sometimes our collective catharsis is going to come through these particular themes, excuse me, wherever she's placed. All right. Mars is going to be moving through the third decade of Capricorn in its exaltation uh, on the terms of Saturn from 22 to 26 degrees and the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. Very strong Mars. Uh, Mars is getting supercharged uh, with its contact to Pluto this week. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive there. Um, but a very, um, very interesting Marshall week that we've been experiencing with Mars kind of hitting Jupiter over the last few days and then hitting uh, Pluto and then it's going to be meeting up eventually with Saturn. Okay. And that happens on the 31st. That's really kind of the 
I would say a peak or a valley, I guess. Either way, you can want to want to think about it in our martial experience. Um, that could be a period of time where we're feeling our sense of limitations um, the most acutely. Uh, we've got a week or so before that, but we're kind of feeling the effects of it now as Mars is starting to apply within a certain number of degrees. Okay, Mercury, if you couldn't tell from my inability to speak clearly today, is still in Pisces uh, in the first and second. It's going to be moving through the first and second decan from five to 12 degrees. And uh, she is in she, they, they. They would be a good term for Mercury, right? The ambiguity of it, the androgynous quality of Mercury. Uh, they are in fall and exile, uh, which is a, a dual debility. So Mercury is in pretty bad shape. She, she, they are going to be um, coming to the degree, the opposite of the degree of exaltation, which happens at 15 degrees of Virgo. So it's kind of like Mercury is going to be kind of at, at its least functional over the next week or so. Um, Mercury will be on the terms of Venus from 0 to 12 degrees and the terms of Jupiter from 12 to 16 degrees. So that is one thing that is a little bit of a, uh, a light within the darkness with Mercury is that uh, the planet will be in uh, benefic terms. So we'll have a, a more of a lenient teacher this week. And Mercury in Pisces is, you know, it's easier for them to communicate through art, music, through metaphor. Um, so this would be a great time to just kind of hunker down, do some art, uh, choose your words really carefully, but maybe, maybe you don't have to communicate necessarily with uh, all the correct words. The intuition and the, uh, the unspoken things can be communicated through different mediums this week. So that's something to consider in all your communications. The, the negative part of that is that if we do have a need for clear communication, um, that could be something that is a little bit difficult as we blend a lot of the details together trying to find unity that is uh, what Jupiter, the ruler of the sign of Pisces, uh, tends to want to do. Um, but Mercury wants to parse things out into categories. And it's kind of like we've got this, uh, we're trying to separate things out and figure out what is what, but everything keeps getting blurred together and everything's a little bit fuzzy. So that's our Mercury for this week. Uh, the moon is going to be uh, starting out the very beginning of the week. We'll be continuing this balsamic moon phase where we're waning towards the new moon on Tuesday. Then once the moon becomes new on Tuesday, it will begin waxing again to the crescent phase by the end of the week. Uh, the moon in Pisces and Aries are said to be peregrine. We have a, an exalted moon in Taurus with the triplicity rulership by the nighttime of the earth signs the moon is, and it will have face rulership or decanic rulership uh, in the second decan of Taurus. And the moon again will be uh, peregrine in Gemini. So that's what we've got for essential dignities this week. Um, I'll do my best through this uh, forecast this week. I'm pretty, I'm pretty tired. I'm sure all of you are pretty tired. I, I, I hope that you're all sleeping well. Um, I think, uh, again, I've been pretty burnt out just trying to keep track of all the new developments that we've been experiencing as a collective. Uh, I think that one of the things that I would say is we are probably experiencing uh, a little bit of adrenal fatigue at this point uh, since we've most of us um, are probably have been in kind of fight or flight type of uh, consciousness for at least a week and and it's hard to sustain that. We have as our ability as human beings, 
to the purpose of that uh, adrenaline rush is to be able to get yourself out of danger uh, very quickly and then be at a place of safety. And I think that especially with the news, we tend to have a, uh, we're constantly being bombarded by new facts, figures, new restrictions, new uh, challenges. And I think that it can really, it can wear on you after a while. And I know that I've been feeling that. Um, and we have been thrust together with our, our loved ones, maybe in challenging circumstances. And sometimes relationships are, are challenging to navigate just when things are normal. But when we, uh, ha- are, when we have to spend time with them and we, it, where it's, when it's more difficult to get to your own corner of your, of your house or your apartment, sometimes that can put a strain on our relationships too and give us a little bit of uh, difficulty with being able to refresh ourselves. Um, I've seen a lot of memes going around about like uh, introverts and 12th house placements, you know, like nothing's ever different, you know, nothing's different right now. I've been preparing for this my whole life. And I, I joked about that as well. I think the reality of that, if, if you're a true introvert and you, um, it's one thing if you're there completely by yourself, but if you are around your, your loved ones, uh, you're probably spending more time together with somebody than you're <laughs> you're really used to. So it's almost like uh, it's more it's almost more difficult to get um, the batteries recharged. Remember, introversion and extra, extroversion, I believe, is defined by not necessarily whether you're social or not, but what drains you and what refreshes you. And a lot of times, uh, as as introverted people, what what we the way that we ref, refill our tank is through spending some time by ourselves. Whereas extroverted people may refill their emotional tanks through um, spending time together with people. And this could be very difficult for the extroverts in the audience as well, because uh, it may be more difficult for you to, to have that in-person contact. So I think everybody, like I said, everybody is probably feeling the strain of this right now. And um, that's why I say I hope that you are all hanging in there. And uh, Saturn is going to be there to lend us some endurance. Um, and I, I would caution you to think about the long term uh, in the coming weeks and months ahead. Uh, I think that um, if we burn ourselves out with worry uh, and get too uh, fixated on our fear, then it can be uh, eventually we'll just have a meltdown. And that may be the point that we're coming to at the beginning of this week with uh, Mars Pluto. Let's, so let's take a look at Monday. That's a good transition to Mars Pluto. Just look at one chart here. Okay, so this is Monday. I'm gonna move it forward by a few hours. If you're listening along, we're looking at Monday, the 23rd of March. And I'm gonna bring, uh, oops, I'm going too far here. I usually like to bring the sun to the ascendant or close by. And uh, you can see here that around 24 degrees of Capricorn, Mars is going to be meeting up with Pluto. That's a really big aspect for the day that we've been building towards over the weekend. Excuse me. Uh, the lunar aspects of the day is the moon's going to sextile Jupiter at 7.20 a.m. It's going to then sextile Pluto and Mars or concurrently after that. Um, and then move into Aries. So we've got the moon 
the moon in Pisces is going to be kind of going through this Capricorn stack up that we have and uh, making some supportive sextiles in the beginning of the day. And then it's going to be moving into Aries where it meets up with Saturn. Okay, so once the moon moves into Aries, it's going to immediately make a sextile to Saturn. And one of the first lunar contacts, uh, actually probably the first lunar contact to Saturn and Aquarius. So this is one of the you know, times when we have moon uh, placements that are activating uh, outer planets. Sometimes we get to see some more of the themes taking form. Remember, the moon was something that it was like a trigger, and, and it was a, it's, I've heard it be, be described as a membrane that is letting things in or you know, taking things out of material existence. So we may get some physical uh, reminders of what this Saturn in, in Aquarius period in our life is going to be like, if we haven't already. I mean, we, we're living it right now. Um, but let's talk first about Mars and, and Pluto. So at 1.20 a.m., very early in the morning, Mars is going to be making its perfection with Pluto in Capricorn. Remember, Mars is in its exaltation. It's very strong in the sign of Capricorn. And this Deccan was associated with the Four of Pentacles, according to the Golden Dawn in the Rider Waite deck. And if you remember, we saw a figure sitting on a throne and holding very tightly four pentacles of, of matter, okay, holding on very tightly to what his possessions. And this was a solar-ruled Deccan. Uh, of course, Capricorn is being provided resources by Saturn. Saturn is the steward of that sign. But remember, when we look at Deccans, we're trying to figure out what the face of it is. What is the appearance that is going to be uh, the, the appearance of the planet as it moves through that particular area of the zodiac? So in this case, it's taking on the appearance of the sun. And the sun was associated with commanding, uh, with authority, with um, identity. Uh, so there, we, we see in this particular decan uh, the structure of, of authority and you know, things that bind us together. Uh, Saturn had a binding quality to it. It, it binds us to uh, some of the uh, significations of the area of the zodiac that it's moving through. And this is the area of the zodiac where we had the Saturn-Pluto conjunction as well. So uh, some of the larger themes that we're working through, Mars is going to be activating them and heating them up. Okay, like Mars has this quickening quality to it. And one of the things I did in my research over the last few days was I wanted to get a deeper understanding of Pluto. Uh, and I have a few sources that are my favorites, but I tried to expand my Mm, source, source, uh, expand my sources and uh, had some really good um, material from, I, I pulled out Alan Oaken's book, which is really good. He's a really great astrologer. And I've been listening to uh, a really good astrology, um, a really great astrologer that, that is a wonderful lady too that I got to spend some time with at the Great Lakes Astrology Conference, Miss Ann Ortley. I heard her talk about this a little bit and uh, the way that she was talking about it was the the cocoon metaphor. And Alan Oaken was was talking about that in his book as well. Uh, but but it's not just the the butterfly stage of things. Uh, I think what my understanding of Pluto now is uh, when a caterpillar is turning into a butterfly, there is a process of completely 
dissolving and wrapping yourself in this like uh, this this structure that is that comes from within you. Like Ann Ortley was talking about, you know, surprise, there's a string coming out of your butt, <laughs> like a little caterpillar. And they almost don't even know what's happening. It's coming from the depths, right? And they have this just primal urge to wrap themselves up. And as they've wrapped themselves into their cocoons, sort of like we're doing now in isolation, uh, we are faced with the the dissolving of our identity and being tasked with uh, reforming. And this is where we get some of the death and rebirth um, archetypal stories with Pluto. Uh, but make no mistake, Pluto is the energy, that dissolving quality is the the mysterious kind of like, oh my God, all of my cells are completely being rearranged. And that can be painful sometimes. I would also con- compare Pluto to, uh, or Alan Oaken would compare it to a snake shedding its skin. Um, the release of the soul from the body, uh, you, it would reveal some hidden agendas. Uh, I think the other thing I could think of with with Pluto is the process of decomposition and the 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 process of, of where we have a um, uh, like a compost pile, and we have organisms that are breaking down the decaying matter that eventually will be creating food for the future uh, the future crops. Uh, but it's that process, though, that we're looking at with Pluto, that that very visceral, uh, mysterious decomposition. And you can think of Mars just being like, we're really supercharging the heat in the compost pile and speeding it up, speeding up that decomposition. We're speeding up that uh, that dissolving of the caterpillar into the goo that eventually will become the the achemical butterfly later. And that is something that uh, we don't probably quite understand. As we are in our cocoons right now, our little homes like isolated from one another, we may be asking ourselves what our true identities are. And I think that's going to play into this Aries new moon because Aries is all about finding identity. It's about finding a separate identity from the mother and from the womb and defining ourselves as some separate entity. And when we see this uh, Pluto-Mars conjunction, where that process is being uh, supercharged. The other things, I mean, you can think about if you want to talk about significations of Mars, it's violent. It's very, uh, it's a severing quality. Uh, It is a, uh, you know, the, the concept of aggression, of willpower, but also of courage. So this could be a moment of of deep courage where we're digging very deeply into our reserves to figure out what we're going to do next and to to make that change. And I think what what I would like folks to understand is this is uh, I don't think this is a temporary thing we're going through. If you're expecting things to return back to quote unquote normal, that's not. That's not what we're experiencing here. Um, as we move forward through the year, we are going to be seeing a, a greater paradigm shift towards a new reality. And this is part of what Saturn is trying to provide right now in the sign of Aquarius. Uh, in Capricorn, in a, in a feminine Earth sign, we were 
seeing some of those restructurings happening on a more potentially on a more internal level. Uh, there was potentially a collective blind spot that needed to be corrected in our hierarchical, more higher on our hierarchies in our hierarchical hierarchical systems. <laughs> what an adventure it is today. Sorry for fumbling through this one, but so it goes. Uh, Saturn, yeah, Saturn, and when Saturn moves into the diurnal domicile, we see Saturn expressing itself more visibly, more externally. Uh, and my understanding of Saturn is it is a place of collective, it starts off as a place of collective ignorance and that is requiring a maturation. And it definitely has the qualities of exclusion, of separation, of isolation. Uh, the first decan of Aquarius was all about exile and sometimes self-imposed exile. For those of you out there who have been uh, socially responsible and staying home by your own choice after you realize the severity of the situation, uh, I applaud you. And I think that uh, hopefully those of you who are starting to understand the reality of this are, are following suit. And that's okay. We, we all come to terms with things differently. But Saturn in Aquarius is, is the, 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 the position where we need to do the right thing, whether we get the applause or not. Remember the sun, Leo, Leo solar type of things. Wait, wait. Leo is, is a place where we are trying to get feedback, right? We're trying to uh, they thriving off the applause of the audience, of the, you know, creating vitality for those around us. Saturn's not like that. Saturn's like, I'm going to do this because it's necessary. It's the, it's the necessity of doing something that needs to be done. And with Saturn and Aquarius here, we have the necessity of isolating ourselves for the foreseeable future until we can figure out how to restructure on a societal level to make sure that everyone is safe or everyone has what they need or that we weather whatever this this storm is and i even hesitate to call it a storm I, I like i said it's more of a paradigm shift we're weathering the uh the decay part of it and i don't even know if weathering is a great way to think about it we're experiencing it and i think if you can i hate to say it but if you can embrace the decay you know if you can embrace what what stage we're in and i don't mean to make light of this at all i'm not i i'm hopefully those of you who have been listening to me long enough know that I'm fairly, uh, I try to be fairly realistic about my assessment of things. Um, but I think if we are able to keep the end goal in mind and keep the long game uh, in our consciousness, that will assist us through these more difficult times. And some of us are going to lose people and that, that is going to make it very, um, that is painful that is real and we shouldn't diminish the fact that this will touch us all in a very personal level in a very personal way um and my heart goes out to to all of us that are experiencing loss um and that may be the stage we're at right now where we're get, coming to terms with our grief and with our loss 
but I think eventually there will, you know, this is just how cycles work. If we're in a cycle of loss now, uh, we may start to come out of it and that will be that that decay will be the seed for future growth. Now, yeah, don't skip over the the acknowledging the decay though. That's the that's another thing to really keep in mind as we move through I think probably some of the tougher parts of this as a collective is it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to be, be a little bit down. Um there will come a time though where you do need to st- potentially snap into action and start reimagining what your future is going to look like and come to terms and come to a point of acceptance of what has transpired. And uh, as a, as a, as a whole, um, we're going to come to that in different ways and in different time frames. But I think that there's going to be a necessity for working together towards that future and being innovative as we are removed from our comfort, removed from the old order, we get to see it with an objective viewpoint. And that's really what we're experiencing now. We're being isolated and able to see uh, our systems from a higher vantage point. And from that, from being removed from it, from our, our collective detachment from the way things have been, we get to really, I think we get uh, as much of an objective perspective as, as we can on what is necessary and what isn't. And that's really what we're going to be dealing with over the next few years is deciding as a collective what is, and personally, what is really necessary to keep as an agreed upon, uh, accepted societal structure. Because really, that's what a society is. It's a it's a it's a group of uh, rules, social norms, regulations that we follow. And some of us, you know, are more inclined to fall in line with with it, and some of us are more rebelling against it. But as a as a collective, we have to have some sort of structure for it to keep functioning. Some of you may disagree, and if you're chaos agents or whatnot, that that's fine. But there has to be some structure somewhere. And this is really our moment to decide through hard work and through sobriety, figuring out what it is that needs to stay and what needs to go and what needs to shift and what needs to change. Now, I don't think that this is the moment yet where everything changes overnight and we have this like, hey, we're living in the future. I said this last week too, Saturn moves slow. And what we're experiencing now is uh, a buildup to the first Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in the air triplicity uh, in the last 200 years. And this is an elemental, idealistic, ideological, paradigmatic shift that we're experiencing. And at first, we may come face to face and with our own fears of the change and get shown what we are lacking. We're, and Saturn in Aquarius is going to show us the limits that we, maybe, that we have in our life. And then the answer, well, one of the answers, one of the ability to expand on that is probably going to become clearer 
when Jupiter conjoins with Saturn, okay? And that doesn't happen until December. So my astrology brain uh, has some thoughts that this, whatever we're going through here, I don't really know if this is going to be just like a few weeks. I think we may be digging in for a few months and possibly a little bit longer than that. And this may be our new normal. And we may have to come to terms with that. Now, that is not a guarantee, but this is the seems to be the direction that we're heading into. And remember, Jupiter retrogrades this year back into its conjunction with Pluto in, uh, I believe, in June, and then makes another contact in the fall. So this Jupiter-Pluto, this expansion of this corruption that we're experiencing, this you know, decomposition energy is going to come back over the course of this year. Uh, that's why I say, like, it's time to dig in a little bit more for the long haul. Now, the other thing that we're seeing as we're building up to uh, is that Mars-Saturn conjunction. And this is where we've got the both of the malefics together. This is like where we may have the, like I said, I think it's this is where it really, it peaks as far as our feelings of limits, to, of constriction, of isolation. We may feel that our uh, we may it may accelerate our fears, and I, I, I want to try to I want you to practice whatever self care type of things or meditations or spiritual practices that you possibly can over the next two weeks here, especially because this is a, a point in time where we're most vulnerable, I think, to uh, the negativity that we're experiencing. And I don't, I'm not saying that, oh, we're just having negative thoughts or whatever. No, there's real negativity that we're experiencing out in the world. Um, but we just have to learn to regulate that a little bit better and regulate our response to it. Uh, I think that is what we can control, our response. Not always. There's going to be times where feelings arise from us that we just can't control, but then we have to uh, get back to center, right? And that's going to be very important over the next week or so. All right. Um, so primal forces being uh, brought up from the underworld with Mars and Pluto conjoining on Monday, uh, a acceleration of maybe some of the decay. This could be a point where we really see our numbers start to explode. Um, for those of you who are math people uh, and understand the, the concept of exponential growth, it's kind of like thinking about one person who catches a disease and then has contact with five people or 10 people. And then those 10 people go out and have contact with 10 more people each. And then those 10 people, you know, those hundred people go have contact with a hundred people each. And then we're talking about orders of magnitude that that's why you see these numbers explode day by day, because that's how things spread. It's not just like one to one. It's like, each one of those people that potentially gets sick is spreading it to 10, 100, whatever. This is why they're trying to keep people inside and not get groups together uh, of more than 50, which I, even that I think is uh, not enough. I would, I'm kind of of the opinion that we should all be staying home as much as possible and only going out for essentials like food or whatever. And even that is fraught with a little bit of peril. Um, been we've been trying to arrange delivery service well or pickup at the store and the 
the websites that handle these things are completely overloaded. It's very difficult to even schedule a pickup time for your groceries because uh, in our estimation, it's the, more, the, more responsi- the most responsible thing to do is limit uh, contact as much as possible with people. And, uh, but we're experiencing challenges with that. And this is probably something all of you are going through as well. Uh, but um, so that's our Mars-Pluto exploration. I don't know exactly where I was going with all that. Let's move to Tuesday. On Tuesday the 24th, uh, the moon is in Aries and it is moving towards a conjunction with the sun, aka the new moon at 5, uh, 28 a.m. Eastern time. And a couple of other things, just to give you an overview of the day, that new moon is going to be conjoining the asteroid Chiron uh, at 7.40 a.m. Venus will be moving into the third decan of Taurus over the course of the day. And uh, that's pretty much our day, which is big enough. There's a lot to unpack with that. Uh, But this new moon, first of all, let's talk about this new moon in context of the the tarot. We've got the two of wands, which is called dominion, where you see a figure who is holding the world in his hand and he seems like he's trying to make a plan, right? And he's looking off into his and, and kind of evaluating something. So this may be a time where we're evaluating our role in the new reality, okay? Austin Coppa calls this Deccan the axe, where we have a, it is a Mars ruled Deccan. So we've got Mars providing resources. We've got the, the mask of Mars. It's just very, it's a very martial area of the Zodiac. And Mars is very strong right now in the third Deccan of Capricorn and is being, uh, provided resources by Saturn and Aquarius. So this feeling of isolation, right? If we look at all of those Saturn and Aquarius themes that I was uh, just previously talking about, Mars is quickening those things, is bringing them more into existence and heating them up and, and bringing them faster and potentially creating some conflict over it, right? Uh, and severing us from things that no longer serve us or from just things in general. Like one of the the collateral damages of all this is we're being severed from some of our our cherished uh, social gatherings or some relationships that we may uh, feel are important. And that can feel painful. Now, this is why we have a, a human experience of the malefics, the severing quality of Mars and the constricting quality of Saturn. Those aren't generally emotions that human beings enjoy. Generally, we enjoy growing and and uh, being together and unity. And these were the things that were uh, said to be conducive uh, or the antithesis of life, right? If we think about it in like medieval terms, you know, the benefics were uh, moist and warm, right? They were, they, they had the qualities that would, if you would bring them into a, a field, would promote growth. Whereas Mars and Saturn, respectively are very dry, but one is very extremely cold and the other is extremely hot. And those create challenges for life. Those are the things that create death. So the malefics are, are associated with, with death as well. Um, 
and as human beings, uh, we would prefer to be alive, I would, I would guess. Uh, so this new moon in, in the domicile of Aries, this is the first new moon of the spring. This is kind of giving us that new divine assignment that may help carry us up through the next season, through the next six months or so of the, of the equinox to the, the spring equinox to the fall equinox. So my thoughts on this, are this is, uh, we've been severed from the parent plant, right? We have, uh, we're isolated in our own uh, abodes, in our own cocoons. And now we're, we've gone through the dissolving process with uh, the contacts with Pluto, or we are still going through it. And now we have to decide how we're going to put the pieces back together and what our new identities are going to be. And this is where we're, we're forming into that you know, future butterfly, right? When we're going to be hatched, maybe at the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in December, potentially. But this is a moment in time, I think, where we're just going to have to figure out how to be a little bit more autonomous, how to be a little bit more independent, and that may also create some conflict. So we have to learn to deal with our separateness. Um, we have to understand that Saturn is kind of the, the final word in all of this. And Saturn is, uh, you know, asking us to create a new society right now. I and mean, that's really what we're going through is, is we're having a, re, a reassessment and a shifting of our collective values. Now, this new moon has conjoined the asteroid Chiron. I did some research on Chiron this week, too. I don't use asteroids that much, but I like Demetra George's work, Asteroid Goddesses. Um, I read a little bit about this in her book, uh, one of her older books. I believe it's Astrology for Yourself, which is very Aries. (laughs) Not for anybody else, just for you. But I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, and Chiron, if you if you aren't familiar with his story, uh, he was a healer. Uh, the, I, I guess the cliche is calling him the wounded healer because he took an arrow to the knee, <laughs> for the, which I guess is a uh, a joke amongst role playing folks. Uh, but yeah, he took an arrow to the knee, and he he couldn't, uh, for all his great healing power, he couldn't heal himself. Um, and to relieve his suffering, I believe that he petitioned um, one of the, who did he petition? He petitioned like Zeus or somebody to end, and, or a goddess. I know he could have been a goddess as well. I don't remember the specifics of that. But uh, whatever um, deity had mercy on him and made him into the constellation of Sagittarius, the centaur, right? So Chiron was a centaur, half man, half horse. And basically... Uh, Chiron, as an asteroid, uh, is going between Saturn and, and Uranus, so it's a bridge. So we can think of a Chiron as a bridge of understanding, of holistic understanding. Now, Chiron was a great teacher, right? He was he, some of his students included Achilles, Jason, Asclepius, uh, which I thought was really interesting because Asclepius, 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 yeah, is the god of healing, of medicinal herbs and surgery. So. This may be a, t- a time of learning. Um, I think that we may have to redefine ourselves and start learning new things and, and gaining new skills. I think that we have to sit at the feet of Chiron and let him teach us. We've, we've sustained the wound, 
and now we have to learn what the antidote is. Chiron understands uh, medicine, and this may be a point in time where we're having to really get come to terms with, uh, you know, this would be a great time to really learn your herbal medicine too. I, I don't think herbal medicine is, if you're in really serious condition, uh, you need medical help. But as we go further into this crisis, um, it's a very real possibility that our traditional medical systems become overwhelmed and that it's more difficult to get the uh, the type of care that we would normally expect from our systemic med uh, medical system. So that may increase the importance for A, staying healthy through a healthy immune system, potentially through some herbal remedies, or self-treating at home, uh, maybe through through diaphoretics, like like my, uh, my teacher's wife, Ashley Ellenboss, was talking about. She's a professional er herbalist. Uh, she was mentioning diaphoretics being important, things that open up the pores and open up the lungs so that we can heat up the body and sweat out the toxins. And uh, I shared a link to the, her podcast about that uh, last week, so check that out if you haven't already. But I think this is a moment where we're learning all sorts of new skills and learning how to do our jobs in a different way and, and redefine ourselves, especially even if we, uh, many of us may be experiencing a job loss. Uh, I know I, I personally, I've, there were classes that I taught with music that are, some of them have been canceled and uh, rescheduled or all those things and having to figure out new ways to, to do that uh, and figure out new ways to teach uh, various other things as well. So I'm sure many of you are getting familiar with Zoom right now and video conferencing and all sorts of things like that. So I encourage you to, to, to be open to learning new ways of things. And, and what, better, what better time than the new moon and the pioneering sign of Aries, right? To, to reskill. And, and really, what you're going to need to do is come to terms with the new, the new normal and say, well, I've, I've finally accepted that this may be the way that things are for the foreseeable future. How do we, how do we deal with it? How do we uh, continue to sustain ourselves? Uh, this still may be a period of rest, but I think things are going to start picking up and speeding up as we move through Aries here. Now, the challenge with this new moon, the challenge is that all of this is squaring all of our Capricorn planets, okay? So the moon and the sun at about four degrees Aries is going to be squaring Mars, Pluto, and Jupiter. That's stack up in Capricorn. But it's going to be sextiling Saturn. So what does that tell us? Is that we may have some difficulty with people in power Remember, the third decan of Capricorn was about authority and power. So there may be some challenges coming from authority figures and from our, our old systems of government or things like that. But what is helping? What is helping now? Right? We've got our, the disease, the, pan, the pandemic here with those Capricorn placements. But now Saturn in, in Aquarius is assisting rather than being part of that stack up. And part of the uh, assistance is isolating, right? Sobriety, you know, distancing ourselves. Uh, 
imagining being innovative in what we do. Uh, Saturn in Aquarius 1 was about being uh, on the margins of society. So how do we function from that, that, that exiled position? And if we are able to take our time to start planning with the collective in, in, in mind, that's what's going to benefit us. Uh, we're coming to a point in history where there's so many people on, on the earth. There's so much international travel. There's so much interconnectedness that it's going to be impossible for us to function uh, without cooperating with one another. And I don't think it's hyperbole for me to say that the survival of the human species depends on us cooperating with each other right now. Uh, because we've seen the result of creating, uh, I don't know, of fighting with one another. <laughs> and we've seen the result of like uh, saying, this is mine and this is yours and you can have only this much and I'm going to take this for me. You know, and and. <laughs> we're experiencing that in, with our late-stage capitalism here. If you're a student of history, this is usually what happens when we've had a capitalistic society for a period of time, and, and it starts to become corrupted after a while. Uh, and there might need to be a new, uh, more democratic, uh, and I hate to use the word because everyone ha is freaking out about it, but a, a slightly more socialistic type of society we may be heading towards. I think what you have to understand is uh, socialism as a concept is not necessarily the bad thing we, that people uh, bristle at. Uh, yes, there have been totalitarian socialistic uh, regimes in the past that have abused that uh, function, and we definitely should be aware of that. Um, sometimes when we give up some of our individuality for the collective that can be taken advantage of and, and we will have to put safeguards in place so that that is that we are aware of that we but we uh we may have to voluntarily give up some things uh to i guess uh protect the herd is a is a little thing that i've heard going around and right now we're being asked to give up our freedom of movement we're being asked to give up our freedom of being able to go wherever we want right now so that people stay safe. And it's a sacrifice, of course. And eventually we may have to give up, you know, some people in society may have to give up their feelings that they are entitled to hoard resources. You know, we've seen the, the ugliness of that as the fear takes over. And just on, on the microcosmic level, we have people hoarding things like toilet paper and groceries and supplies, medical supplies. But I think that's really a, if you really look at it and you really hover above it, uh, that is just a microcosm of the macrocosmic problem that we're seeing with the consolidation of wealth amongst, you know, the very 1% of the world and the, uh, the dysfunctionality of that for everyone else. And that may be where our, our rebalancing happens. And it's not going to be easy. Those in power will be loath to give it up. But their survival, we are seeing 
also depends on our survival, right? Uh, factories can't produce goods without workers. <laughs> Labor can't be uh, exploited if you don't have people. <laughs> like, so um, I think that's the, the, you know, some of the things we talk about with some more like egalitarian, uh, ideal, idealistic viewpoints of the world is, you know, you always kind of have a choice if if you are in the working class or whatnot. Um, the the main thing that people have chosen to show the people in power that that hey uh, we deserve to be treated at least with a modicum of respect is they can they can shut down the production of things uh, by striking or by protesting or by rebelling. And what we've seen now is that we had an enforced shutdown of the labor force. In, that was not anybody's choice. It was not like, oh, we're just going to shut down because we're unhappy. It's no, no, the labor force got shut down because it's dangerous to be out in the labor force right now, out in the world. And, but I think it's interesting, though, if we're paying attention, uh, that to see that we've actually regained some power. And I think that that's some comfort that I'm taking right now is I think that if we really understand as a collective the power that we have as a collective, uh, that's the way we get to like um, create a more fair and equitable society and maybe retrieve some of the, uh, I don't know, consolidated wealth, power, and resources that have, that have been basically stolen from the people. And I don't know, I, it doesn't mean that, that people shouldn't go out and earn a living or things like that. I mean, I don't know. We can have a political debate about this if you want in the comment section. I would prefer not. I'm stressed out enough. But I think if hopefully we can agree that basic human rights uh, should be available to everybody. And I'm sure some of you will even disagree with me on that. Like there's definitely still people out there that have a, a survival of the fittest type of mentality, um, which I don't agree on because as we've seen now, uh, your survival depends on someone else's survival. And this is why like when this dude in Tennessee was hoarding 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer, what he isn't realizing is that he's keeping 17,000 people from staying healthy. And if we remember, if we did that math, if we did exponential growth, right, that 17,000 could easily become a million people becoming sick because that one guy decided he needed to make a profit and, and hoard resources. And eventually, one of those million people that he hoarded resources from might come back and get him sick. So you see, like, our actions have consequences. And this is the, the type of thing that I think is just really important as we move forward here is uh, the consequences of not cooperating with one another are going to be shown to us very severely as we, as we move forward into the new reality. And do I have all the answers on what it should look like and all the details of it? No, I'm, I'm not a politician. And I, we're still figuring it out. This is the, this is, remember, we're in the, 
the dissolving the caterpillar phase. We're not in the like the butterflies emerging from the cocoon phase. Okay. So we're still like seeing just the old structures crumble. And that's just part of the process though. That's where you actually have to have faith. Okay. This, I, this is the point in the conversation where you have to have faith that the, the destruction is, is moving us towards hopefully something better. Hopefully. And I know that there's people out there that uh, some of you were like, I liked my life. I liked how it was. And this is sad. And I, I do sympathize with, with some of those things with you. There are definitely things that I, as a person who lived in an affluent country, um, may have taken for granted or like enjoyed. Even if I didn't take it for granted, I may have enjoyed the uh, benefit of and those things may have to shift also. And that's okay. Like, if we're allowing ourselves to be flexible in this period of time, um, we will be doing each other a good service. All right. So those are my thoughts on the new moon. Now, Venus is moving into the third decan of Taurus, which is, uh, has an association with the, the seven of pentacles, um, in the Rider Waite deck and in the Golden Dawn system of understanding uh, the tarot. And in it, we see a figure who has planted the field and he's either waiting for the, the crop to arrive or he, he's, leaning, he's leaning on his, his tool and on his rake or his, his hoe. <laughs> he's leaning on his hoe. <laughs> like, and contemplating what the result of his work is going to be. And one of the things that I've heard about this, or researched with this Deccan, is that he's done the work. He's made the plan in the first Deccan of Taurus. Uh, he has sown the fields in the second Deccan. Okay. And then he has, now he is confronting. Uh, or protecting that crop. And there's a, w a couple different ways to think about it. One of them could be that he uh, has, has planted the, 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 um, the vegetables or whatever it is that he's planted in our, the metaphorical vegetable, I guess. And now he has to kind of have faith in the result, or he can't control the result. I think that's more of what it is. It, there's a sort of a, this is a Saturn ruled Deccan. So there is some acceptance that needs to happen in the third Deccan of Taurus uh, of the necessity. This Deccan was also associated with like uh, destructive forces. Um, so things that could uh, impede the growth of the plant, okay, like disease, uh, like. Um, pests. Uh, I've seen like plagues of locusts, like in the news. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not a biblical scholar or anything like that, but there's been some downright biblical stuff going on lately. <laughs> like, even just from my understanding of those stories, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an expert on that particular uh, way of thinking, but uh, there's some stuff happening right now that, that is. Uh, very interesting. Um, so floods, droughts, pestilence, uh, disappointment, right? 
potentially the disappointment of not achieving what we expected. So Venus is moving through this decan though. So what is Venus going to do? Uh, Austin Coppett calls this, this uh, decan a string of prayer beads. Uh, the word for this decan in the other systems such as Book T and the Book of Toth was failure or success unfulfilled. But let's, let's examine that string of prayer beads. Uh, one of the reasons we have some negativity associated with this decan is that it, the fixed star Algol, who was the, the head of Medusa, was prevalent in this area of the zodiac. Okay, now I'm going to show you. You can see that Venus is moving into the second decan as she moves into 20 degrees of Taurus. Now, Algol is right around 26 degrees. So we're not quite there yet, but we will be in about a week. So at 26 Taurus, we're going to see Venus conjoint Algol. And Algol was the head of, the, of Medusa, a gorgon, a monster, right? And she was said to be one of the most malefic fixed stars in the sky, uh, associated with losing one's head, right? So this could be a point in time where in relationships, and this, this seems to, my, the, my, the common sense part of my brain uh, says that by the time Venus hits Algol, all of us will have been locked away in our houses for like three weeks. <laughs> and like the, the novelty of staying home and reading books will have worn off and we will be coming to terms with the reality of being stuck with the people that we're with 24-7. Uh, and we may start to freak out a little bit and our relationships may go through some challenging times. Now, what is the gift of this decan though? And I think one of the gifts, uh, Austin talks about uh, surrender and grace and sub humility. And sometimes when we're faced with some things that are out of our control, the, the best thing that we can do is, is accept them and to not try to fight against the, the current, right? Uh, so I think that what Venus is doing in the third decan of Taurus is lending us a bit of grace right? An ability to accept and maybe even find some gratitude for the trying situations that we are experiencing. Uh, so yeah, Austin, if I qu uh, quote him directly, it says, what we possess can be taken by circumstance. So I think that one thing we can do is uh, not hold on too tightly to our material possessions. Uh, embrace it more spiritual consciousness, double down on our meditation practices and learn to accept what we, what is out of our control. One of the things that I would, um, I think could possibly happen with this position too is potentially more economic downturn. Uh, there's a, <laughs> there's a, controversial astrologer out there who has been making a lot of predictions and some of them have been very accurate uh but he's a, he's more of an economic guy and uh i actually met him met him at uac and he, he gave me some good advice about the the rule of threes which always have three type of uh you know uh things in the chart to to confirm something so i had a nice conversation with him so i personally have had okay interactions but he's been banging the drum of it this is, is this is a very uh important time for uh economic change and that 
we're heading for a pretty pretty intense economic collapse. And I can't say that I would disagree with them at this point. I mean, it's very hard to sustain an economy when there's no workforce uh, or when the workforce is completely sequestered away in their houses for, you know, however long, potentially, you know, for the rest of the year. I know that that doesn't sound great, but I, I honestly don't think this is going to be over in a month or two. I just, it's just my personal opinion. We may have little peaks and little windows here where we think it's okay. And then something comes back and we have to go back and do it again. Uh, I think that's kind of going to be a stopping starting kind of thing for the rest of the year. So hunker down and take the long view, but this area of the Zodiac may be something where some of our resources just begin to decay, you know, where we see like some of the failures of potentially maybe some banks or something like that. Remember in the last decade, we had uh, charity being given, resources being given, right? And in this particular decade, this may be something where we have to fight off the decay of, of some of the things that we hold dear. So buckle up. And uh, remember, Venus is also a point of catharsis. If, we've ex if we accept the things that we can't control, that's going to help us to, to process our emotions. And that's really what Venus's job, I think, is, is to help us to get rid of very heavy emotions and to cleanse them. But Venus was associated with cleanliness. Now, what, one thing I do want you to really notice about this new moon is that Venus is making a pretty close trine to Jupiter, Pluto, and Mars in Capricorn. Okay, So she is assisting from this position. So our acceptance of what is transpiring would allow us to have some grace within the situation. And maybe on a collective level, we are accepting what is happening and, and being willing to begin again from a lowered position. Um, so I think that's one thing I would see too. I would not be surprised either to see uh, some women in our society or in our world taking up leadership roles and helping to provide resources uh, to help us deal with uh, the, the pandemic. Um, Venus was a natural significator of women. And I think that this is something where we see just some very powerful uh, feminine voices emerging to help us through, to help us to uh, find grace. And potentially even just with resources too. And I mentioned last week that Nancy Pelosi was one of the driving factors in trying to get something passed within the American Congress for relief for people from this. And uh, I, I think we're going to see that continuing with those, uh, those voices taking on greater, greater and greater prominence in the, in the collective uh, narrative. Okay, let's move on. On Wednesday, the 25th of March, moon is still starting off in Aries. Uh, we'll still be in the new moon phase. Uh, the sun will conjoin Chiron at 9.27 a.m. The moon squares Jupiter at 8.43 p.m. Uh, Jupiter in Capricorn, 23 degrees. And then the moon will square Pluto at 24 degrees at 11.02 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. The big thing of this day, though, besides those aspects, those challenging aspects that we're seeing, is the moon escapes the bond. And I want to show you this 
Okay. So when we have a new moon and a full moon, the moon was said to be under the bond. And that is a condition of when it's within 15 degrees of a conjunction on either side or an opposition on either side of the full or the new moon. Okay. And that was kind of like a condition like being under the beams, right? Uh, where Or combust. And this is where it's a weakening position for the moon, where it's, the moon is held captive. And what traditional astrologers did is they looked at the first aspect that the, that the moon made when it escaped from the bond, either at a new moon or at the full moon. Now, at this previous full moon, the first aspect that was encountered was a square to Mars. And we definitely saw that play out in our collective with a lot of, you know, violence, uh, negativity, um, you know, people in power kind of having conflicts. Um, it, it was severing of relationships. So here, what we see, though, I guess here's some, some good news, I guess, moderate good news, is the first aspect that the moon is making as it escapes the bond. Oh, man, actually, I need to go further because that's only 10 degrees. The first aspect that is made right here. Okay. First aspect that the moon makes when it escapes the bond at about 20 degrees of Aries. Is a square with Jupiter. Okay. Now, two things I could think about with this. Two ways of exploring this. Now, it's generally better when the moon makes its first contact with a benefic. And this is the greater benefic, right? Uh, so in general, if I saw like the first aspect being um, some kind of trine or sextile with Jupiter or Venus, I'd be like, hey, good news, everybody. Now, the only caveat I have with this is that, first of all, it's a square. So there, there's inherently some conflict that comes up. Uh, and also, Jupiter is in its fall. So there's definitely some compromises that are going to be made through this. And I think that uh, even though there may be some benefit that we experience after the moon escapes from the bond, it's going to be compromised some way because, because of the condition of Jupiter and because of the square. So it's almost like we, have to, we may have to fight for the good, right? We may have to fight for the gift or the learning or for the, uh, the, the gift of Jupiter, the, the reunification, the bridge. Uh, the ability to uh, have integrity, right? Wisdom. So there, there, I, I could definitely see some conflicts about our belief systems coming uh, as the moon escapes the bond, uh, where everybody's kind of saying, well, everything's screwed. What do we do now? And, and there could be definitely people whose voices are uh, not necessarily always matching up with one another, right? And you could see, too, that this is this close to Pluto, too. So this is like where our beliefs, Jupiter, are being fed by the Lord of the Underworld. So like a lot of our, our beliefs right now are, A, based on our material circumstances, because Jupiter is in an, an Earth sign and Saturn sign. 
uh, and it's being supercharged by Pluto uh, and asking us to dissolve, right? And deal with the corruption that is underneath the surface of things. So this is a this is a moment where we are, you know, going to be dealing with that that corruption uh, as the moon escapes the bond, and potentially there could be some some silver linings that come out of it. But man, I'll tell you what, it's hard to hard to predict that with the these two positions right now. Um, the the four of wands and the four of pentacles are featured prominently with these two positions. Four of Wands associated with the third decan of Aries, Four of Pentacles with where Jupiter is right now. So th- th- this was sort of about the uh, the Four of Wands shows a, a group of people in celebration, completion, and like a happy family, you know, like a marriage or like a you know something where you've we've made a plan and we've carried it out, and now we celebrate. And remember, we're dealing with the throne. And there may be some conflict in bringing about completion uh, as far as consolidating what type of power that the government has now or that the system has. So I definitely could see like, you know, conflicts about what, what the government should be doing after this new moon happens and arguments about it and people really getting uh, fixated on what their personal beliefs are and those beliefs being ruled by their fear of decay and their fear of losing what they felt that they were entitled to. Uh, remember, this is new moon is about severing. So this is a this is going to be a new moon about letting go of certain things. And our natural tendency is to try to conserve. So that's what I think is going to happen with the as the moon escapes the bond at 3:30 a.m. on Wednesday, the 25th see what happens. I want to know what happens in your life because I really started to get a lot of uh, messages about what was going to happen in America with the the pandemic uh, as the moon escaped the bond. I was was sent a podcast by Joe Rogan interviewing uh, a guy from the Center for Disease Control. Um, I don't remember his name exactly, but somebody sent me that podcast just as the moon was escaping the bond. And that's when my brain kind of clicked in. I was like, oh boy, this is, this is serious. I need to start taking some actions and prepare right now. Um, so we may have a similar type of experience as the moon escapes from the, the bond of the new moon where it, it, it drives us to take action uh, in, a, in a certain way and helps us to gain clarity about what this new moon is going to be all about. Because when the moon escaped the bond from the full moon, it was telling us what this this full moon cycle really was all about. And that's definitely played out in the collective. All right, Thursday the 26th. Moon is going to be moving into Taurus at 9.36 a.m. and gaining dignity into its exaltation. Uh, I believe it's the triplicity ruler of the nighttime as well, or uh, night or day. What do we got? I don't remember. I write it. That's why I write it down. <laughs> triplicity ruler of the nighttime. Venus would be the triplicity ruler of the day. Easy to get those mixed up every once in a while. Um, before the moon moves into Taurus, the moon's going to be making a square to Mars. So that really is going to complete our gauntlet that we are experiencing Wednesday. 
I think this is going to be another tough Wednesday. I think the last Wednesday or two Wednesdays ago, I can't remember. Time is weird now. Uh, that's when the moon escaped the bond. And now it happens again on the day of Mercury. So we're receiving messages that are challenging. And then the moon goes through all those squares. So I really actually think Wednesday is going to be a tough day and we're going to have to deal with some new, uh, new circumstances that will require some action potentially. So after the moon moves through that shitstorm, uh, the moon will, will calm down a little bit and move into Taurus. Once we've come to terms with the, the reality of our situation, then it's time to take fruitful action, hopefully. Now, the, the one thing that it was throwing some gunk in the gears is this is really interesting because this is the first time that the moon will be in Taurus uh, when Saturn is in Aquarius. And this is a really tight square between the moon in Taurus and Saturn in Aquarius. And it's applying to Uranus. Uh, yeah. I really think like, I don't know, I don't want to be like fear monger or anything. But I can't, I can't help but saying what's on my mind with this. This may be one of the moments of just like of economic collapse. I, 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 ha I just have a feeling there's going to be just like a big bank's going to fail or like stock market's going to continue to just go into the tank. And this might be one of those moments where, you know, we hit, we hit Uranus and we have Saturn, the planet of limitation and things like that. So um. I don't know what you should do. I'm not like a financial advisor or anything, but uh, I don't have enough money to like need a person like that. So if you do though, and you have savings, I'm sorry uh, if you are losing those things. Um, but I will say this, there is some freedom in not having something to lose. Uh, so uh, think about that. Meditate on that. If you've got nothing left to lose, what, what else are you worried about? <laughs> like, you're stripped down to the bare essentials, the bare spiritual reality staring you in the face. No, I, it's going to be tough. Like, nobody, nobody likes to feel like they uh, ha don't have enough. Um, but well, my, my turnaround on that is we'll get through it together. And you'll, you'll hopefully, if you, if you do lose things, it will help you to recognize how interconnected you are and maybe dependent you are on on your neighbors and that there's lessons in that there's good lessons in that and even though we may be isolated we are going to be rebuilding from this new position together all right so that's the square to from the moon the exalted moon to saturn in aquarius at 10:15 a.m. uh at 7:28 p.m. the moon will conjoin with uranus at 4 degrees of taurus so again, something unexpected with our resources going down. Um, and it may be something innovative too. If I, maybe if I think about this as, I know it's a square. Remember, squares were of the nature of Mars. And I've been exploring a theory that squares may be things that happen that aren't necessarily our fault, bad fortune that isn't necessarily our fault. And hence the, like, the market just taking a tank. Um, and then you know, coming to terms with the reality that we're going to have to find a new way of managing our resources. That, that might be what we're heading towards here. All right. On Friday, Friday the 27th, almost done, I promise. 
still have the moon in Taurus. The moon's going to be sextiling Mercury at 5 o'clock a.m., uh, that Mercury in Pisces. So some foggy communication, some confusion potentially, but also this may be a really fertile time to do some art, uh, be creative, uh, to take, um, <laughs> to learn what it's, what all us starving artists have been feeling and go and, and get your feelings out in a, with a guitar or with a set of paintbrushes or something like that. Like, you know, sometimes the best art comes through suffering. So uh, I bet there's going to be some some beautiful art made around this time. Uh, that can be some of the ways we can purify uh, the strong emotions through creating. Uh, and I would highly encourage you to do that. A book that I really like is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, who was a recovering alcoholic and put together a book that gave you like almost like a 12-step program to recovering your lost creative self and uh, finding healthy ways to deal with strong emotions. And uh, it's something that was really helpful for me, and I, I highly recommend her work. And we've got plenty of time. A lot of you do have plenty of time to kind of explore that, that maybe that side of yourself. Uh, now that you aren't, you may be less inclined to be part of a an oppressive system. So we'll see. Mercury is going to be moving into the second decade of Pisces, where it was before it retrograded, right? Uh, and that happens around 12.30 p.m., the Nine of Cups. Uh, it was called the net or the lord of material happiness. This was the Jupiter-ruled Deccan, hence where Mercury has a lot of problems here. Mercury and Jupiter are pretty much fairly opposite energies. Mercury wants to divide things into categories and analyze things. Jupiter wants to take things on faith and wants to unify things into a uh, one big uh, orthodox system, okay? And so th this could be a point where we're just really our thinking is very fuzzy. All the details are becoming blended together. It's very difficult for us to find object objectivity in our thinking, uh, even though that is what is being asked of us of, of Saturn. Uh, this may be a time where we just really get lost in our emotions and emotional thinking. Um, yeah, so so be careful of your communications as as Mercury continues to move through Pisces. And let's look at our weekend here. Looking at our weekend, the 28th. On Saturday, the 28th of March, we are going to be still experiencing or, or beginning to experience a waxing crescent phase of our moon. All right, when it moves out of a 45 degree orb between the, the sun. So at the new moon, we're getting our, our divine assignment. We're trying to figure out what it is that, what our new impulses are. When we move into the crescent phase, we're starting to try to mobilize resources to support that vision. And generally that can be associated with a, a sextile. Now we're not to the sextile yet on Saturday, um, but it's a supportive time for the new moon generally. Now this isn't, like I said, it doesn't, it, it, when the moon gets into Gemini, we'll have our moon sextile. Um, but that's, that's sort of one of the rationales behind the, the crescent moon phase is we're, we're, being, we're being given some kind of support for the new impulse. Uh, the moon will be sextiling, supporting, or getting support from Neptune at 12.01 a.m., 19 degrees Taurus to Pisces. Uh, couple big aspects happening on Saturday. 
Venus will be trining Jupiter at 1224 a.m. And I'll break that down in a second. And then it will trine Jupiter. It will conjoin Venus, trine Pluto, and then trine Mars. So all of the difficult aspects that we had with the moon and Aries squaring those planets, we're, we will be finding hopefully support and solutions for as the moon moves through Taurus. So keep that in mind when you're going through the difficult phase at the new moon is you will have an opportunity to have a smoother expression of that a few days later with the moon in Taurus. And that, that might be a good thing. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, the moon, I'm sorry, Venus conjoining Jupiter. Now this happens at 24, I'm sorry, trining. Come on brain. It's been a long day. I'm tired. I'm sure all of you are somewhat tired too. I haven't been sleeping very well lately, have you? Been staying awake at night worrying about stuff. I gotta shut my brain off every once in a while. It's pretty hard though when you, you all these things are flying at you. I think that one thing I'm gonna do a little bit more, I hope, if things start to I don't know, settle into some kind of normal is take a break from social media and from the news. I don't feel like that's necessarily the most responsible thing to do yet because I feel like we're still in the middle of this developing things. But uh, eventually there will come a point where we have to kind of just, you know, we're, we're in it and we don't have to be refreshing the feed every five minutes. And that's something I, I'm guilty of. And I, uh, for I think for our own mental health, it's it's okay to take a break every once in a while and practice the things that'll help you be more centered. But Jupiter and Venus will be making a trine on Saturday. And this is an Earth trine. Uh, and this is a something that had its seed, its synodic seed, um, when Venus conjoined Jupiter on the 24th of November, 2019. At 28 degrees of Sagittarius. So look at that area of your chart and see if there was some kind of seminal moment that you are experiencing now as a waxing gibbous type of phase where you're now refining that uh, whatever was planted there for full expression when Venus uh, moves into Cancer at the uh, middle of the summer. Or is it at the summer? We have a retrograde this year though. Yeah, there's a Venus retrograde this year, so I'm, I'm not sure it's exactly in the middle of the summer. I know Venus will be moving into uh, Cancer eventually and opposing Jupiter. Uh, there was a square of this particular relationship on the 23rd of February of this year. So Venus and Aries squared Jupiter and Capricorn at 18 degrees. So take a look at, at that as a crisis point of whatever we're experiencing. So if you can connect events on those two dates, you can kind of get an idea of what we might be experiencing a smoother process of with the trine. Um, so these are the two benefics getting together, uh, which is nice. This is something where there could be benefits. It could be where we're having some overindulgences. Um, that's one of the dangers of this. But I feel like if I'm looking at this just from the specific decans, remember I talked about grace earlier with Venus in the third decan of Taurus. It's about accepting the hardship. And I think that this is some of the, the gift that we're going to have here. Now, 
Pluto's in the mix with this, so we can't ignore Pluto, all right? So this is a point in time where I think we're really, some of our acceptance of what has transpired will help us come to terms with the reality of our situation. And potentially also this could be, again, some sort of new way of uh, taking care of the, I don't know, the virus, the pandemic, whatever. Um, if we think of Jupiter conjoining Pluto as representing the virus and Venus as a, as a condition of cleanliness, um, there may be some kind of purge or some kind of like, I don't know, maybe not an antidote at this point, but potentially some, some kind of news about that, uh, uh, potentially with that. Um, I hope that there's something of that nature. That would be a, a, a welcome thing, I hope, as long as it's not another thing for to be abused. And who knows? I don't want to get into any of that, but uh, I'm going to start a whole new argument. <laughs> like, I'm just very tired. I think that whatever they come up with, I'm sure, will, will be uh, something that will hopefully help, you know. Um, so the moon will move into Gemini at 9.38 p.m. and then make a trine, its first trine to Saturn and Aquarius at 10.36 p.m. at zero degrees. So we could have a, a nice moment there with Saturn uh, trying to get some new ideas and communicating some of our new ideas and our new normal. In the evening, Venus will be trining Pluto at 24 degrees. And that's also at the waxing gibbous phase. That seed of that conjunction happened at, on the 13th of December, 2019. And the square of those two planets on the 27th of February. So again, examine those dates in your chart and see what was coming to a head to get an idea of what we're going to be experiencing when they make the trine. And trines are of the nature of Jupiter. So this, uh, my, my little theory I've been kicking around about aspects is that since Jupiter was associated with potentially with merit-based actions and distributive justice, potentially there is something good that's coming to you based on some actions that you took and some merits that you took, uh, some merit-based actions that you took in your life. So see what happens. See if, there's, if you see something coming to fruition from something that you did that is you will experience probably as uh, nice, as a good experience. Hopefully, we could use some, some treats, right? We could use some, a gift from, from above at these points, right? Uh, have you noticed, and maybe this is something like just me, but uh, I've kind of, my diet's changed a little bit since this all started. Uh, we, we've been not going out as much uh, and eating a little bit less like fresh stuff. And, I, and, and I've noticed as I've kind of, you know, I've really found some gratitude for the food that I eat. And I wanted to share that too. Like, I don't know if it's just because I'm like a little bit like, I don't know, a little more hungrier and like hunger seasons it more. But I've just like certain foods have been like, wow, this is, this is the best food ever. I really appreciate this because I, as I'm kind of like trying to uh, experience it uh, and not waste it. And I think that sometimes when we come face to face with not having something, that's when we really appreciate it. And I think that's really like 
a great attitude for a lot of the things in your life right now is uh, when you come face to face with loss, that's when you really, it's where you're getting the balance point of appreciation, right? If we just had everything all the time and we didn't have this dichotomy of life and death and lack and abundance, uh, it really wouldn't mean anything. So that's, that's something to, to keep in mind when you're going through your week. On Sunday the 29th, the moon is going to be in Gemini. It's going to sextile the sun at 4.31 p.m. and then square Mercury at 10.57 p.m. Uh, over the course of this weekend, we're going to be uh, kind of building up to the Jupiter-Pluto uh, conjunction and the Mars-Saturn conjunction. Now, the Mars-Saturn conjunction goes exact on the 31st, which is, I believe, Tuesday next Tuesday. So we're going to be feeling that more intensely first. And then we're going to be building up the next week to the exact Pluto-Jupiter conjunction. So I want to contextualize that within everything that we're experiencing now. And looking ahead to next week, the 30th through the 5th, Mars is going to be moving into the first decade of Aquarius and meeting up with Saturn. And that could be a peak of feeling like we're in exile, we're isolated, uh, of restrictions. It could be just where we're forced to stay in our homes. I know in a lot of communities, there's already a, a stay, uh, shelter in, in place uh, type of thing going on in certain states. And to be honest with you, I think it's necessary. <laughs> like I, I never thought that I would look at this and be like, oh man, this authoritarian thing, you know, and like, but I actually kind of agree with it at this point. I think that uh, the more restrictions that we take now, the less we will have to do later for maybe a shorter period of time. Uh, sometimes when we just take our medicine, uh, we can get it, over, get it over with sooner. The more that we drag it out and the more that we like just like incrementally do this stuff, the, the worse I think that it could get and the longer it could drag out. So I think if we just like are more severe about cutting things off, uh, it may have benefits in, in the long run. And it's going to suck. Like it is going to be painful. But sometimes extreme measures are necessary when you're dealing with an extreme problem. And uh, if this isn't that, I don't know what is. So that's coming on Tuesday. Just try to relax through it if you can. Wednesday the 1st, we'll have our first quarter moon where the moon in Cancer is squaring the sun in, in Aries where we'll have a crisis point uh, in the moon cycle. Uh, the Friday the 3rd, Venus moves into Gemini and Mercury will conjoin with Neptune. On Saturday the 4th, Venus will trine Saturn. Um, trine Saturn? Yeah, from Gemini. And then Jupiter will conjoin Pluto at 24 degrees. So another very active, intense week next week. So what I will say, let me stop my share. So that's what I've got for this week. Sorry for uh, sleepwalking my way through it, or if I, I was, my communication wasn't as clear as I hoped it would be. Um, I hope that you are all doing well out there. Um, we're all in it together, even though we're separate, but together, like that's kind of the thing. Uh, reach out if you, need, if you need some help, or if you have questions, I'd be happy to uh, interact with you in that way. Leave a comment. Let me know how you're how you're experiencing your, your isolation. Um, and give me, why don't we start something 
good. Why don't we leave some tips? Leave, leave your best um, self-care coping mechanism, healthy coping mechanism, <laughs> like something that is really feels like is really helping you get through this difficult time. Leave a comment in the, the, the comments below and let's start compiling a list of things that we can do, the things that we can do that are supportive, that are enriching, and that are helping us to maintain our center through the, the hurricane around us. I think that's really what we have to do is connect with the center. How are you connecting with your center? So that's what I've got for this week. Uh, if you are feeling more in need uh, of, of more guidance, feel free to reach out if you want to schedule a reading. Um, if you're having financial difficulties, you know, explain what's going on and we'll, we'll work on something. If uh, don't, don't let that be a, um, a barrier between getting the, the help that you need. Um, I'm pretty flexible right now with, with all of that and with what I'm doing. So anyway, I hope that you're all doing well and I will talk to you uh, next week. Take care, everyone. Peace.